Welcome to Comfortable Place on the Couch Series 2. Does it even really matter anymore? A regularly scheduled podcast where a couple of Canadians talk about a band full of Australians and New Zealander bassist with a really laggy internet connection to Midnight Oil fans all around this time warp place don't change. Like the joke? That's a good joke. My name is Darren Folds, and in the coming months, I'll be listening to all those Midnight Oil songs that didn't make it onto their studio albums. We're talking about B-sides, covers, demos, and maybe a few other tracks, if the fancy strikes me. Joining me each episode is my best friend and fellow Midnight Oil enthusiast, Robin Harbin. Welcome to your own couch, Mr. Harbin. Thank you. We're, we're in our respective basements, looking at our at each other's lovely bearded faces and it is a lovely bearded face you have <laughs> yeah i guess i was uh i was really reaching there wasn't i okay you know it seems to me that uh this intro that i've crafted just needs to be recrafted you know the last month or two yes. that we've had podcasts out and man we've had plenty of podcasts out yeah it's been nothing about listening to b-sides and rarities and covers and demos no poor nick lane was sitting there and that's not what we're going to be talking about tonight either (laughs) yeah nick was like what is he talking about (laughs) what's this about b-sides i'm right here guys i'm a producer we're talking about me yeah (laughs) we're here to talk about me Anyway, we're here to be talking about Midnight Oil tonight, and we're going to do, for June 2020, we're going to do an oils chat. We're just going to kind of get caught up on some of the stuff that we have left hanging in the breeze for the last couple months, and... (laughs) See where things go. Uh-huh. Is that left hanging in the breeze a phrase? Well, sort of, but I was imagining, like, what is it that got left hanging in the breeze? Uh, the laundry. Yeah, it really needed to be aired out something. <laughs> we should start with doing some business as usual from the last time we did an actual scheduled podcast about Midnight Oil material, and then we can get into our oils chat. We've, we had a, a Q&A type thing we wanted to line up, so we're going to tackle some Q&A stuff. And maybe we'll even talk about a few other things. That sounds good. Hey, how about those um, potential Chinese bootlegs of Breathe? Oh, yeah. Are those on the way? I have absolutely no idea. But I'm seeing lots of copies of Breathe on the internets for sale these days. Oh, Vinyls. okay. Yeah, yeah. I found some guy in China was selling... Not the remastered vinyl breathe, but the old gatefold breathe. He had three copies and they were going for a steal of a deal. So I picked up a couple of them. Yeah. And we have no idea what we're really going to be getting, if anything. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) You were telling me something about um, it's become quite the thing these days to make knockoff vinyl and sell them as originals. To to make knockoff everything. China's, Yeah. yeah, like... These sellers in China have the means to clone these old things, and uh, they just look what's going for good money on yep. eBay or whatever. Let's let's duplicate it. We can do it. Why would they be doing it with a Midnight Oil album from the mid '90s? That I imagine they wouldn't be getting a ton of buys on. Yeah, well, weren't wasn't Breathe going for really big money just a year ago or? Yeah, yeah, it was going for like $100. Yeah, so they probably just had some database where they're tracking album prices 
they're going for a hundred plus dollars and they yeah. cloned them. And do you figure like they, it's just like, it's kind of bespoke cloning. It's like, oh, somebody wants to buy it. We'll just make a couple copies of it at the time. Or do you think they make a bunch ahead of time? I would think with vinyl that they would have to still press a certain number for it to be economically, because you can only make, a, you can either press vinyl or mm-hmm. you can cut vinyl on like a lathe kind of thing. But mm-hmm. the quality is going to be really poor. And I don't know if you can even do a whole... 12-inch. 12-inch yeah. kind of thing that way. I don't know. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens when we get these things. You know what? I have heard of some kind of more do-it-yourself cut and vinyl kits being made. Oh, yeah. Maybe some enterprising people got yeah. themselves some of those kits. <laughs> And they sit there and they they make... It's weird, yeah. Like, I just saw on eBay that one night, like a month or so ago. Yeah, this guy has three copies of Breathe to sell. And then, like, a couple days ago, a guy in the UK had two copies of it to sell. And it didn't appear to be the repressing either. It appeared to be back from 96. Well, even if they are clones, it'll probably be worth the laugh and the story. Yeah. Especially if they're terrible, but somehow kind of right it could be very entertaining yeah as, as long as something arrives right that's right as long as we get something out of this yeah so last time we were together we were talking about some breathe era songs like before we were talking to nick Lane. that's right yeah we were talking about kingdom of flaunt smash the wobble board and something else yeah another one of those songs and so we got some uh, feedback from listeners some comments questions and criticisms and stuff and yeah so let's dive into those okay so andy date writes robin i just want to thank you and darren for opening my eyes in the newer oils music i was entranced by the oils in the 80s as a 14 year old the image of peter garrett on head injuries captivated me let alone the music hence to say this day head injuries is and always will be my favorite album and cold cold change is my ringtone oh right on I gave up on the Oils' newer stuff after Blue Sky because it just wasn't what I grew up with, so I lived in the past. Then I discovered your podcast about six weeks ago, and didn't that change my mind? A local store had specials in Oils CDs, just 10 bucks each, three for 20. I purchased the last four 20 years late, but listening to you guys and playing the music while driving and training working out, I've adapted, for want of a better word. I still struggle with Redneck. And that is the podcast I'm up to. I walked <laughs> long enough this morning to listen to it twice, so I'm trying. It's growing on me. Anyway, just want to say thanks for opening my ears and mind to the newer stuff. And thank Darren for me too. And for good measure, here's a photo I took at the Big Red Bash last year. Oh, right we, on. Yeah, we drove 1,800 kilometers just to be there for that occasion. Great iconic location for a great iconic band. Cheers, guys. Thank you, Andy. It's... Over the three, four years that we've had this podcast, there have been a number of times where I've seen some old school Oils fans Mm -hmm. kind of wake up to the new albums, like appreciate them now. That's fine. It doesn't have to become their their favorite album ever or whatever, but there is a lot of great stuff in the later albums. And Yep. Give it a try. You might find you like it. Like Breathe was never one of my favorites when it came out. And it was really only when we started doing the podcast that I really got so into breathe and yeah, I, I think breathe is fantastic now. Yeah. So yeah, it happens. Thank you, Andy, for sharing that. Thank you for your photo and Hey, 
driving 1800 kilometers. We can relate to that yeah, kind of we're, stuff. We're all about that. <laughs> right on. Well done. Yeah. I guess we drove 1400 to go see oils in Winnipeg. Yep. What, about 1200 to see them in Minneapolis. And we flew about yeah. 3000 to see them in Toronto. And that's in the same province. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're still in Ontario. Man, this is like probably from two or three months ago, so I don't remember exactly what I was thinking about, but apparently listening to Kingdom of Flaunt a little bit closer during editing, I think that I can hear Pete talking in the last 10 seconds or so, so perhaps that's why he gets a credit on the track. We were wondering why Pete got a, a credit there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Pete chatting in the background. Eh, we'll give him a credit for that. Yeah, do you remember that quote from, was it Rob, who was making fun of Pete, like for... Basically, Pete coming in, changing a word or two, and taking one third of the writer's credit yeah, or whatever. That's, yeah, that's about it, eh? He had an awesome little rhyme for it. Something like, change three words, take a third. <laughs> <laughs> I also had a, a note here. Rob's drum fill in the second chorus of Smash the Wobble Board about two minutes in sounds an awful lot like Ringo's drum hook and come together, which we were just talking about as we were editing, so... Right. Yeah, and, and maybe I was subcon when I was talking about come together there, maybe I yeah. was kind of subconsciously thinking of that. Yeah, maybe you were. You had a, a message from Eric Fiedler? Eric wrote, Hi Robin, the version of Waltzing Matilda that you reviewed was from a radio broadcast in 1996, either in WXRT Chicago or WNEW New York City, in advance of their brief tour shows in those cities. Aha! I had a cassette copy of both radio appearances, which are now long gone, sadly. From the New York broadcast, I do recall Rob saying that his drum kit was made up of a plunger, a New York, <laughs> a New York City phone book, and a trash bin. The radio host pointed out that that was actually a Rubbermaid trash bin, but not being familiar with the Rubbermaid brand, oh. Rob made a joke about requesting that a rubber be delivered to his hotel room. It's worth a listen if you can track it down. They also played One Too Many Times, War Kerna, Surf's Up Tonight, and Time to Heal as part of that set. Right on. Joachim adds in, yes, it was from the Chicago recording, the 10th of October, 1996. Right on. Thank you for that, Eric. And I think our friend Jake sent us uh, some MP3s of both the uh, New York and the Chicago uh, radio shows yeah. there as well. Yes. So thank you for that, Eric, and for confirming that you are Kim. Did you like how I pronounced his name? Yeah, well done. You are Kim. Is it you are Kim? You know, we've uh, we've got some a Northern European friends, so I reached out uh, today to our friend MV and asked, hey, how would you pronounce this guy's name? Oh, Because I know over the years, you and Kim, I've pronounced your name really bad. And, you know, maybe our friend MV is like pulling my legs and, and that's not at all how you would pronounce your name. But, you know, yeah. I'm rolling with it tonight. You are him. Uh, our friend Jeff Scott writes, he also confirms the Chicago concert and the New York City concert, as far as the band played Waltzing Matilda goes. Jeff continues and says that he doesn't think that there's any particular event or reason for it. It was just the song of the week for someone in the band, he guesses. Then he had some comments on Rolf Harris and his wobble board. 
He said that Rolf Harris also had a hit in the early 90s with a cover of Stairway to Heaven, believe it or not, recorded for <laughs> Andrew Denton's TV show in Australia. There's a lady who's sure all that glitters is gold And she's buying the stairway to heaven And she's buying the stairway to heaven And Andrew Denton, I think this is one of the guys that... There's a uh, interview of him interviewing the oils from way back when. And I think on one of our podcasts, I just mentioned him as like some long haired video VJ kind of guy or something like that. Not realizing that Andrew Denton was, was quite the guy at the time. Anyway, his show um, in Australia, The Money or the Gun, was uh, what Rolf Harris recorded Stairway to Heaven for. Uh, the show has a rule that every guest has to perform Stairway to Heaven, and an album was released with 18 different versions of the song done by different bands in their own <laughs> style. And to link back to the oils, oh, there you go. Andrew Denton is the guy you may have seen interviewing Rob after he wrote his book. Cool. Scott Martin writes... So after listening to the 30-minute exploration of Kingdom of Flaunt, I pray we never get a comfortable exploration of Sigur Rós. Did I say that right? Sure, that sounds good to me. <laughs> so if you don't know what... So you say it this time, Darren. Sigur Rós. Oh, that sounds kind of Icelandic. Oh. Yeah. So, yeah, they are an Icelandic, according to Wikipedia, an Icelandic post-rock band from, well, how do you say it? Reyk- Reykjavik. Reykjavik. Yeah, the, perfect. Reykjavik. Yeah. Reykjavik. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm even worse at pronouncing things than Darren, and I think Darren's pretty bad, so. Kookaburra. Kookaburra, yeah. Emu. <laughs> oh, no, no. Emu. That's how you would say it, right? Emu. It's an emu. <laughs> it's an emu and a kookaburra. Where are they? They're in Melbourne. <laughs> Melbourne, yeah. Yeah, anyway, basically Kingdom of Flaunt is probably like a three on the weirdness scale out of ten compared to... Sigurus. Sigurus Rus. I guess we really did go off for quite a while on Kingdom of Flaunt. <laughs> we eh? really did. I don't think <laughs> who I knew? We yeah, spent who? more time on Kingdom of Flaunt than we did on Bird Noises, yes, period. on the whole album. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Weren't you telling me that you were talking with somebody online thinking that maybe we should go back and give some of the earlier albums their due? Yeah. That sounds like a good idea to me. Yeah, I've heard that request from a number of people, and I think it's a good idea. When we first started the podcast way back in 2017, we had this misguided idea mm. that at the very most, we could spend an hour on a whole al- on the whole album total. Yeah. Who would uh, want to listen to more than that? Yeah. And uh, as a result, we didn't even talk about a couple songs, or at least one song, I think. Yeah, I remember we didn't talk about Bernie at all the first yes, time it came up. That's right. I guess we dealt with it for the acoustic version. So, mm-hmm. but yeah. Oh, yeah. So we should talk about Jim. For people who aren't on Facebook, I don't know if Jim made this available anywhere else. It's on been this. on, some of it's been on Instagram because I've been watching it there too. Our Midnight Oil genius, Jim has been doing solo versions of, he did in the neighborhood of 60, 60, or 70 songs in the last couple months. Basically every a song day. A day, yeah. Yeah, basically a song a day uh, with a semi-produced recording, like basically an acoustic version, but it's clear sometimes he added 
synth tracks behind him or whatever. He'd even occasionally do an electric solo version, like him and a, mm-hmm. a noisy electric guitar performing a song, but it was neat just to hear the guitar. You know, and it's Jim singing them in his self-professed shaky voice. You know, Jim is, isn't the kind of vocalist that Pete is, so when he's covering a Midnight Oil song, mm-hmm. it's Jim doing it. But, you know, I, I love it. Yeah, yeah. So totally check that out. And he is, was, but probably is accepting donations to ACT, which is... Support Act. Maybe it doesn't stand for anything. Yeah. So Support Act is Australia's only charity delivering crisis relief services to artists, crew, and music workers as a result of ill health, injury, a mental health problem, or some other crisis that impacts on their ability to work in music. And especially during COVID, uh, with all the cancellations that Mm -hmm. the whole industry has had. uh, So basically, Jim has been doing all these songs and asking for donations to to act. Right on. And so one of the songs that he did right after we did our Smash the Wobble Board deep dive was Smash the, Bar- <laughs> Smash the Wobble Board. <laughs> yes. So we got to find out whether or not we were anywhere close to being in the ballpark. Oh, yeah. And I didn't say, yeah, besides Jim doing these awesome versions of songs, yeah, he, he writes a little blurb about each one. And so, yes, for Wobble Board, this is Jim's words. Smash the Wobble Board is an outtake from Breathe. It's my only lead vocal on a Midnight Oil record. I was strangely nervous when I did at Kingsway Studio, New Orleans, with our producer, Malcolm. We went out to dinner and came back. Would you like to sit down with Malcolm and and learn about those stories, eh? Yeah, well, wouldn't that be great if we could only hear more about this somehow? Mm -hmm. Yeah. We went out to dinner and came back to put another vocal double on it. And I could sing it much better. Garlic pizza and beer to the rescue. (laughs) I think the rambunctious and electric band backing track was recorded similarly after a few drinks late at night. The song deals with Australian themes and smashing the jingoistic icons we grew up with in the 1960s. There's some good lines in there. The piano suited it as it was written on one, but also as I'm doing my Billy Joel type thing with the tip jar and all. I was pretty proud that we came up with basically yes dealing with the jingo we didn't use the word jingoistic no that's a good one i like that yeah i think only somebody like jim can use the word jingoistic dealing with those australian stereotypes that sometimes make you cringe yeah (laughs) that's right hey good for us pat on our back for managing to work that out as we were recording yes (laughs) (laughs) so thanks to jim for that and if you can if you listeners can support support act then please do, not to toot my own horn, but toot, I do toot. give some money. So I'm, I'm putting my money where my mouth is. That's what, there you uh, go. that's my point. I just want to encourage others to give, please. Yes. <laughs> Another thing that we said that we were going to do when the virus started taking over the world earlier this year was we thought, oh, you know, what might be a a nice thing to do is, you know, try to get out some more podcasts 
by doing uh, like a question and answer type thing. Little did we know that we were going to be able to talk with Nick Launay every week for four <laughs> weeks practically and just dump a ton of massive stuff out there. And man, was that fantastic. Yeah. So we we didn't do any of the Q&A stuff because we had much better stuff to do. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to try to do some of that now. Thanks for sending in some questions. Let's take a look at them. Uh, Stefan Mapp says, Hi, Darren. Stefan here again. I've been deep diving into the podcast following the super awesome Nick Lane episodes. After a month of waiting, a copy of Red Sales appeared on vinyl for me yesterday, and I've set about wearing the grooves down through over-listening. Originally coming from New Zealand, I've been predisposed to liking shipyards of New Zealand, but I think I have to agree that sleep is climbing in the ranks in my mind. I actually have three podcasting questions for you. I hope you are comfortable to answer and to help out a startup podcaster. So we've got some questions about how we do our podcast from Stefan. Cool. He says, I love the way you do a fast forward listening through the tracks of the album prior to discussing. And in fact, the way that you use music in general, do you seek permission from the oils for this? Or is there a loophole? Why don't I tackle that seeing as I do the editing? Sure. We approach this from the position of it's easier to ask forgiveness than ask permission. <laughs> yes. And if we really were pointed at with a stick, I might say fair use because we're discussing the stuff, at, at least when we give examples of songs as we're discussing it, I think that we're, it, that would fall under fair use. Yeah, we haven't asked for permission. And I think there's a number of reasons that we don't. Because we are doing review and analysis, it really is fair use. Secondly, we're not making any money off of this. And because it's a podcast, there's no real censorship of it. There's yeah, it's not like YouTube or something no, like that. that. That's right. And we don't put the full songs ever. We've never nope. put like a full song in our podcast, it's always a snippet, again, yep. that is part of fair use. So th those are the things. I think when you're doing a podcast about something like music, using their music is is totally fair. Uh, make sure you're crediting them. We always, you know, we always encourage people to buy the albums. And, oh, yeah. Uh, and we're sure almost all our listeners have probably bought everything the oils have ever put out. So that's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the second question Stefan has is when you edit your podcast, do you fine tooth comb them for all the ahs and ums? <laughs> oh, yeah. Do we ever? If you listened to raw recordings of what Robin and I talk about. <laughs> Yes, I spend a lot of time chopping out ums and ahs and spaces. It's something that I guess we didn't really think about too much when we started. Um, there's one right there. I just thought that I don't want to sound like the real dummy that I am, so I want to make <laughs> myself sound good. But beyond that, I think we found that even though we don't have the highest production values for podcasts... I think we are, because we spend a ton of time editing, that we're at least not at the bottom of the barrel podcast-wise, and it makes it a little bit easier for people to listen to. Hopefully, yeah. you don't have to listen to all that stuff. It just kind of makes it, just brings it up a little bit. Yeah, it improves the quality of it. Darren's done almost all the editing, but I, I have edited, edited a few episodes. Oh, yeah, you have. 
Uh, yep. And our other podcast, I do more of the editing. That's right. What, what's it called there? And growing up 80s or whatever? That's that's what it's called. Yeah. Yeah. If I realize we made a mistake, uh, I will cut that part out. Uh, mm-hmm. Occasionally, we'll even insert a little blurb from the future, so to yep. speak, to correct something. But yeah, all that makes it more listenable. And it also doesn't waste our listeners' time if we make an hour or two hour long episode, we want it to be two hours of yeah. entertainment and information and not an hour of it being, uh, yeah. If, if we're going to waste your time, we want to waste your time with us being idiots <laughs> as opposed to us being vocally bumbling idiots. Well, yeah. And fun. for, for an idea of, of how much editing and stuff might go on when we were doing the Nick podcasts recently, um, I think I was coming in somewhere between 700 and a thousand edits for one of those podcasts. You know, it takes time, but I like doing it. Yeah. Lastly, Stefan asks, when you are securing a guest such as Nick Lane, how does that opportunity come about? Are you lucky with simply putting the request out? That's what it is. If, if I've learned anything in the last couple months, it's just ask. Ask for stuff that you want. Like, don't be a jerk about it. Don't presume that anything is owed to you. But you want to talk to Nick Lane? Find out how to get in touch with him and ask him. You want to talk to Malcolm Byrne? Find out how to get in touch with him and ask him. You want to talk to whoever? Ask them. And sometimes people say yes. And and with Nick, we asked Nick for an hour. Yeah. And he said yes. And he's a fantastic guy. Great stories. Easy to talk to. And we had a great time and it's just like, yeah, let's keep doing this. And he was cool to keep doing it. And yeah, we just kept on doing it. Yeah. Stefan finishes up by saying, I hope you can answer these for me. I adore your podcast and it's helping me, much to my wife's dismay, delve even deeper into the nooks and crannies of the oils catalog. Best wishes, Stefan. Thank you for the questions. Yeah. Uh, Our good buddy, Jake McKinley, who we met in line at First Avenue in Minneapolis with the coolest homemade oils t-shirts. He says, hi, coach sitters. Thanks for the mention on the last episodes. My kids looked at me like I was a celebrity for about a minute. Robin, (laughs) brilliant job redoing the audio for the land video. I didn't realize you did that. He's referring to um, the oils and tragically hip video that you matched a better recording of the audio with and stuff like that. Yeah, I just fixed up the video and put it up there, yeah. Jake's got a few questions. So here's question number one. It's fascinating to hear some of the early demos of what oil songs could have sounded like. As you guys have pointed out, they really move bits back and forth between songs as they experiment. Personally, I'm glad they didn't combine Bull Roarer, someone singing New York and Ghost of the Roadhouse into one song. Yeah, I think I'm glad too, Jake, that they didn't combine all of them because I love Bull Roar. Um, I love Ghost of the Roadhouse. I'm glad it's it's too bad that they didn't release it as a real song. Like as I was listening to this proto 
bull roar someone singing ghost of the roadhouse thing it's like oh i just love that guitar bit from ghost of the roadhouse i'm glad that we've got what we've got on is it chico or Lasseter's gold the the actual demo of that so yeah i agree with you on that jake there seemed like there was a handful of these weird recordings where you hear different bits of different songs mm-hmm. that you know meshed yeah. into one yeah and the the oils certainly seem to to do that and I've never heard that from another band. I'm not saying it doesn't exist, yeah. but it's neat. So like when you hear something like this, I'm going to call it a mashup again. I wonder how they come apart or how they got together. Like, did they take three fragments that they had been working on, mash them together into this song? Or was this the song and it exploded into three <laughs> other songs afterwards. Yeah. It's it's kind of hard for me to think of it that way because because we know the three separate songs on their own, right? Yeah. I assume this is part of having the multiple musicians going where even though we don't think of Martin as being one of the songwriters, he he does come up with riffs. He comes up with all yeah. kinds of bits. And so does Jim. And even Rob does, from what I understand. And so you can see them just saying, we need something else here. And then Martin just throws in his little bit that he thinks would fit. But they don't actually get that song all the way through to recording. So it gets reused. You know, I I would assume that's how it happens. Yeah. 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 Yeah, It's it's neat to think about that stuff. Yeah. Jake continues, I think Doghead is a really fun song if you assume it's a didgeridoo and not a dog sound clip. Yeah. I remember (laughs) listening to it thinking, man, what is this barking dog thing going on? (laughs) Similarly, I get great enjoyment from King of the Mountain. I'm glad for you by willfully ignoring the clapping. (laughs) That's good, good strategies. Oh, so maybe I could like Harrisburg if I willfully ignore the... You don't like that? No, don't you know that? That's like... I know you make fun of it, but I like it. I remember... <gasps> <laughs> it was like 1987, we got diesel and dust, and I started collecting all the other oils cassettes I could find in town. Mm-hmm. We go go to that, well, I would say a record shop, but it was mostly cassettes in 1987. I remember getting my copy of those ones. Yeah, too. and so I found Red Sales. I found 1098 in those great price. Uh, mm-hmm. Nice price. Nice price. Nice price. That's it. That's, it has yeah. sticker on it that said nice That's price. Right. And it was probably 10 bucks, maybe 8 bucks. Even. I think it might have been like six ninety nine. Yeah, six ninety nine, seven ninety nine. So I remember getting Red Sales on cassette, listening to it, and that ominous intro but then that breathing, you know, I remember Achilleus, my fr- our friend Achilleus yeah. came over my place and so excited about the oils. I say, except this saw, this, the, this, as like, you know, the, all the breathing. Yes. Yeah. He's like, yeah, that's pretty annoying. <laughs> that's funny because like when I think of, I think of Achilleus making that noise yeah, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad you've got a coping mechanism for yeah. King of the Mountain, Jake. We're joking. Question three. From Jake. These aren't questions, Jake. I guess they really are. Oh, wait. Those are statements. Yeah. And then there's a question at the end of the statement. Sorry, Jake, we're picking it apart. We hope that you understand that we are very thankful for your questions and we we enjoyed hanging out with you and we're just having some fun with this. Yeah. Who, Who decided the house audio track list before the oils went on stage during the Great Circle Tour? 
if ever we meet somebody who can answer that question, we'll try to remember to ask it. Remember I met that roadie from their Vancouver show? Oh yeah, that's right. So I actually have kind of a, a friend who, well anyway, I don't, I don't know. Question three, I've become aware of several great songs as a result of hearing the oils covering them. Similarly, at the three great circle tours I attended, I immediately recognized there were Rumpy Band on the house speakers and have gotten into them more as a result. At the next shows, I picked up on the haunting chorus of what turned out to be Olympia's Smoke Signals, Melbourne, Australia artist, as one of the final tracks before the oils went on. I've really gotten into her album Self Talk since then. Could there be a connection to the oils beyond being an up-and-coming Australian artist? Could Olympia have been considered as an opening act? Hmm, interesting Mm. theory. Apparently, I'm going to keep on rambling, he says. (laughs) Four, not a go-to song for me, but I have a live version of the band played Waltzing Matilda that was probably sung in New York because at the end, Pete says, surf's up tonight. Actually, we call this one Tidal Wave on the Hudson. Thanks, Napster. (laughs) Um, I also just found another version on my hard drive from a Chicago broadcast that must have come from a powder worker when they sing Waltzing Matilda at the end. I hadn't heard of this song before the oils. Later, I realized there were more lyrics when my second cousin was telling us about a guy who illegally built a shack hanging over the highway (laughs) up the coast of of BC where we were on vacation. My cousin said, they say he knows all the verses to the band played Waltzing Matilda. I was pretty excited about that because the oils connection. How many verses are there? <laughs> that that would just be like a, a good thing to describe, you know, the, the odd guy who lives up the road. I hear he knows all the verses to Waltzing Matilda. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. We were talking about how the oils did like a condensed version of it. There's actually... Yes, a, that's right. Yeah, the original is much longer. Finally. Finally, number five. I also had a great high school history teacher that taught us about Gallipoli, also advised us to watch the movie, one of Mel Gibson's first roles. (gasps) More Australian connections. How can you not have Australian connections when you're talking (laughs) about the Gallipoli campaign? I really should stop. Thanks for the new episodes. I hope they're as fun for you as they are for us listeners. Yeah. Jake McKinley. Right on. Thank you, Jake. They are fun for us. We've had some good laughs tonight, even, even if they don't make the cut think this next one is yours yep but you have to say his name oh yuakim yuakim thank you yuakim during the easter weekend i sat down with my guitar and played lots of songs from the first ghost writers album which made which made me think of how good that album is and second skin also of course so Mm. my question for the ask us anything episode is which album or ep from the oils side projects collaborations do you enjoy the most Ah. himself he thinks there are many great ones jim's perpetua and fuzz face eps space farm by the break and the aforementioned ghosties albums so darren what are your okay hang on yeah this is why we need to do video podcast i'll be right back yep i happen to have some of mine right these are oh wow i think these are all of my side project ones i didn't collect them all through the break period like you did. So I've just been slowly picking them up from time to time. So Fuzz Face is pretty good. Mr. Doomsday. Love that. Oh, and you know what? Look at this, Robin. I do have a copy of The Last Folkloric. Oh, how about that? Yeah. So there you go. Oh, Mm, yeah. So Jim is doing a a vinyl reissue of The Last Folkloric 
11 days from when we're recording this is when the Kickstarter ends. And uh, I encourage you guys to get in on that. Darren, are you in on it? I can't remember. I'm in on something with you. You said, I need 70 bucks for us to get on this thing. So I owe you 70 bucks for something. Oh, really? I think it's oils related. <laughs> I'm expecting something from you. Uh-oh. Do you have this Angry Tradesman one? Yeah, I just got it pretty oh, recently. You? Oh, yeah. right. Yeah. That that's was good. hard to track down, the Angry Tradesman. Beat the house. So that's basically... This um, is Rob and Dom Turner. Yeah, and... Martin plays on it a bit. I thought Martin was the full-time member of that band, of Angry Tradesman. Well, for this album, at least, he's credited as a guest. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah, because the Angry Tradesman thing, if it's just Dom and Rob Hurst, mm -hmm. Dom Turner and Rob Hurst are the backsliders, mm -hmm. and then they started Angry Tradesman, which I was excited about because it was just going to be like a, a louder, angrier yeah. backsliders with Martin on guitar as well. Recorded in 2008 at Megaphone Studios. Nice. So as of 2008, they presumably still had something to do with Megaphone. Yeah. Um, Hurston Green. Yeah, I got that one yep. in the Stealth of Summer. I haven't listened to it too much. Yeah, it's... Uh, yep. Uh, Ghosties, of course. Yeah. Space Farm. I really like the idea of what they're doing with the break. Yeah. And it's good just to throw on and listen to once, driving yeah. in the car, something like that. Church of the Open yeah. Sky. Here's one that I listened to once. Uh, yeah, that's Jim... Jim and Howlin' Wind. In the and, Night Garden. But I like this one. I don't know if you can see that, Robin. But yeah. Jim wrote his name on it. And there's, a nice. little, and there's a little heart underneath it. That's so sweet. It is. Got my copy of the color wheel. Yeah. Still in the shrink wrap. Even, <laughs> yes. Oops. Oh, but you know what? This one might be my favorite then, actually, though. It's, it happens okay. to be at the bottom of the pile. This is uh, Pete's a version of Now. Yeah. I, I think maybe I like this one the best. Yeah, everybody's going to hate you for saying that, but you know what? I like the Strong Owl stuff that Rob put out a, like a year or two ago. Um, I remember listening to, like, I don't have a physical copy of it, but that was fun. Oh, and then there's this one here. Yes. This is the, the bird, bird pictures. The sun becomes the sea. Best wishes, Rob. I imagine they're yeah. all signed. What about you, Robin? Yeah, okay, so you're basically saying the Peter Garrett one is probably is your would be my at least if I was to yeah. if, if you were to say grab only one of these from the stack to listen to yeah. in the car today, it'd probably be that. Yeah, you know what? I have to say that I really like the Pete album too. Yeah, and Rob Hurst's The Sun Becomes the Sea. Mm -hmm. I love that album. Yeah. That might be my favorite of all midnight oil kind of solo projects mm -hmm. out of jim's like i like alas folkloric mm -hmm. but jim's albums tend to do the same thing that other musicians i really like sometimes do where the album doesn't have the ups and downs and the brights and the and the darks and the the contrast mm -hmm. across the whole album and at some point I realize that I've kind of tuned out, I love some of Jim's songs, but there's something about the way Pete and Rob put those two albums together that keeps me engaged throughout. And it doesn't go into that kind of lull. That said, 
I have to say, if I was just going to take my very favorite output from all of them, Jim would rank a lot higher mm -hmm. <laughs> because across all his albums, he's yeah. done all kinds of stuff I love. Yeah. But as far as whole complete albums, I have to go with a version of Now and the Sun Becomes the Sea. There you go. Thank you for the question, you Kim. The great white shark has got no feelings. He may end up a bargain on a fashion play. Okay, Scott Martin asks us, top five songs you would like to hear Midnight Oil cover. Oh no, this is like, you need to prepare for this. Oh, I know. Let's let's team up on this one, though. Okay. Yep. I want a Neil Young song. Yeah, that's great. Actually, I want you. Know, I want two Neil Young songs, Darren. So I want us to each choose one Neil Young song that the Oils should cover. Oh, give me a second. Yeah. I I knew what album I was going to right away. Oh yeah, that might be it. Or maybe that. Or maybe that. <laughs> <laughs> Have you decided on something? Oh, man. There's so many. Um, Just go with your gut. Be fast and go with your gut. Okay. Well, rocking in the free world. That's good. That that'd be yeah. fun to hear them do. I immediately went to Mirror Ball. Oh yeah, well that was I was just looking at that. Okay, good. Yeah, so I was thinking Song X. Yeah, actually, when I looked yeah. at it, I thought, you know what? It would make sense for uh, Oils to do like Throw Your Hatred Down or something like that. That might be a good one. I'm the Ocean is a great track off of Mirrorball. I'd, I'd like to hear them do perhaps maybe Act of Love or maybe not. <laughs> I don't know. Like, sonically, it's a fun song. Yeah. Um, that could be fun, too. Yeah. So there we go. Two songs from so Neil. So two of them Yeah. Let's say Throw down. Your Hatred Down and... Uh, and Rockin' in the Free World. Yeah. I would like to hear them do, well, not another Elvis Costello cover, because Elvis Costello actually covered What's So Funny About Peace, Love, and Understanding. So even though I kind of think of that as an Elvis Costello song that they've already covered, I would right. like to hear them do something that really is an Elvis Costello one. So let me go grab my albums, and I will decide which one. This is actually a, a lot of fun. Thanks for this question. <laughs> this is good. You know what? Because... We've talked in the past as well about a connection that I can hear between um, this particular Elvis Costello song and the oils. Just rhythmically, I think I would like to hear them cover Pills and Soap by Elvis Costello.
They talk to the sister, the father and the mother, with a microphone one hand and a checkbook in the other. Oh, yeah. What did you say that song was just like? It was like, um, you almost had like a plagiarism claim going on there, didn't you? Maybe I'll ask Darren from the future to come in and give the answer. It was so close that you can't remember it. Hello, podcaster from the past. This is Darren from the future. You are thinking of when the generals talk from Red Sails. Why don't you go back to that podcast and re-familiarize yourself with the theory. So about 10, 11 years ago, a band, We Were Promised Jetpacks, appeared on the scene. Have I ever made you listen to them, Darren? I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah, they're Scottish and they just sort of, to me, reinvented that kind of jangly, noisy kind of rock with deep, dark lyrics and a real Scottish voice and mm-hmm. got all their stuff on vinyl and I've been listening to it a lot the last couple of weeks. So that's why it's in my mind. Yeah. And one song in particular, Ships with Holes Will Sink. I think I died this time. Stop for bullet holes and stab wounds in my side. I think I'm solving crime. I got a couple of clues and a hunch of swells like a fool for time. I'd love to hear how the oils would tackle that yeah and i i think it i think it would fit them right on that's cool and we gotta come up with a fifth one with the fifth one it should be yours because scott contacted you yeah it's true help me with a band name though my itunes library is offline since i did you know this what upgrade. makes sense what? The oil should cover a hip tune. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right, of course. So for the final song, definitely a tragically hip song. We'll each choose one, so we'll give them six songs. Yep, that's fair. Okay, I got mine. I'm good. Yeah, my, my pick is Nautical Disaster. Yeah, yeah, that's great. It rocks, and it's a story. Yep. I could just imagine them doing that. Yep, that's good. I had this dream where I relished the fray and the screaming filled my head all day it was as though I'd been spit here settled in into the pocket of a lighthouse on some rocky socket of the coast of France. I was thinking it might be fun to hear them do courage. Yeah. Yeah. Another human tragedy consistent the necessity of living with the kind under pressure under pressure
Courage would be very good for them. I'd like to hear them do 100th Meridian. Yeah. But I don't know if the, the, the message would be a bit weird coming from Pete or something. Yeah. But, yeah. but so anyway. Yeah. Great question, Scott. Let's try just one song each here. <laughs> the absolute worst songs for the oils to cover. Well, obviously a Martha and the Muffin song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Scott suggests hit me baby one more time. Okay. I must have read his question then because they, oh, we got to pick some something silly like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah good. Yeah. 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 This has just been on my mind lately. Rebecca Black's Friday. Okay. I mean, it'd just be the worst. It'd be the worst to see. It probably would. This terrible, trite celebration of, ooh, it's the weekend, time (laughs) to party. Yep. Party with my friends. Fluff. Everybody's working for the weekend. I just read the end of Scott's question. But for songs yeah. that would be great for them to cover, gotta think your countryman Neil Young's Rockin' in the Free World would be a candidate. Yeah, it, well, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Eric writes again, if you could time travel, which Oils tour would you most want to see? Yeah. So, do you have an answer? I, mm, I think I know. I think that just because it would be, just to make the impossible even more impossible... I think it would be neat to go way back to the early years and uh, yeah. and hear them playing some of the, those roadhouse shows with the sweat yes. dripping off the ceiling. And yeah. 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 That's to see them really young. Yeah. Because I mean, after that, they wrote all kinds of great songs, but you and I have seen them perform that. And those are all captured on video, mm-hmm. you know, or lots of them are anyway. Yep. Ba- basically... As great as it would be to experience them at, you know, their commercial peak or at their later, uh, you know, Capricornia. Or even even their rise through like the college scene in the States, like with Red Sails and and 1098. Like that would be great to go to those shows when that's happening. Yeah. But if if we could just go to one thing, one place. The Disco Cretin Show. Yeah, Disco Cretin (laughs) Show. (laughs) I think that's the one I would choose too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Something, something from back then. Yep. Yeah. When they've only got an, an album or so under their belt and they're, they're just working it and everything is just so, I imagine just so chaotic and you know, when, when you could be in a room and, and have other people touching and breathing on you and stuff like that. Oh, can you imagine the, the COVID spreading around there, <laughs> eh? Like that. We would bring COVID from 2020. <laughs> <laughs> To Australia in the early in late our time 70s, machine. early eighties, <laughs> yep. we would like wipe out. That's a great idea, Eric. Thank you for yeah, thinking thanks, of everybody. Thanks, Eric. We just we just killed <laughs> the whole planet. Everybody's dead. Are you ready for this, Robin? Okay. Our you friend hit me. Jeff Scott uh, writes back with more for the question and answer segment. Jeff has some questions for you. Okay. Ask Robin, which Perth High School was better, Hollywood or Swanbourne? Swanbourne. Swanbourne. (laughs) Yeah, a bit of of rivalry there, I think. And of course, I have to go with Hollywood. I think Jeff is maybe a year or two older than us, and I presume he went to Swanbourne? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mostly know about Swanbourne 
because of the the footy team, I'll, I, you know, I'm gonna have to Google the. Okay. So I I didn't know this that when I knew that Hollywood High closed. Okay. In 2000, but it got amalgamated with Swanburn High School oh. to form a new school called Shenton College. I didn't know that. Oh. So that must have been something. So yeah, I was there in 1987. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what? It was 1988 when I was buying the Oils back catalog. Yeah. I was away for all 1987. Okay. I was in Australia. Yeah. And that's when I was at Hollywood High. Wow. So I didn't know that they got <laughs> with the rivals, uh, got combined into one there you go. super Shenton College school. Interesting. They would call, they would combine two high schools and now call them a college. Well, you know, some places around the world like to call their high schools colleges. Do they? Yeah. It sounds a little more uppity uppity. Well, it certainly does. Yeah. Scott's got another question, especially for playing for points, which we're not doing. He wants you to name the cemetery near your old high school, Hollywood High. Oh, yeah. I I wagged there all the time. I don't want to ask what that means. (laughs) Yeah, that was... And I don't um... want to look it up on the internet either, because I think that would be a very dangerous thing to do. I presume that means just skipping school. Yeah, I, I was terrible skipping school. Okay, it's been 33 years, and we would call it the SEMO, <laughs> and it was just right crowd. We're going to wag class, yeah, which, yes, means skip. Yeah. And we'd go across, and there's this enormous cemetery there, and I'd especially get out of, well, what I want to call gym class now, but I guess we called it... P.E. Well, P.E., probably yeah. P.E. yeah. And, uh, yeah, I skipped it all the time. By uh, going across the street to a cemetery that name kind of sounds like Karataka. Yeah, like Karakata or yeah. Karakata? Karakata. Yeah. The, the guy who made me skip or... The, Your the guy, enabler? My, my main enabler was named Simon. And I found him online on Facebook 12 years ago. Yeah. And I only got one message from him and I never heard from him again, but... Mm. Simon educated me in many, in many areas. I, okay. I received, I received tutelage, uh, tutelage in many worldly ways or whatever, uh, from Simon. So I think he ended up becoming a journalist in England or something. Oh, okay, cool. Weird. Yeah. So anyway, those are the memories, but yeah, that, and that cemetery was so big that you would start walking it and you could just like walk, I don't know, it seemed like it was kilometers long. And you would end up in a whole different town by oh, the time wow. you exited the cemetery. You could walk it for hours. Yeah. Oh, I, I feel like I'm back there again. <laughs> okay. So Terry Murray asks, what questions would we ask the band if we had the opportunity? Ooh. All the questions. What's the context of this? Are they on the podcast? Are we just like hanging out with them? Meet them, meet them in front of a show? And, you know, I really feel, especially with the oils, talking to them individually versus Mm -hmm. together totally changes the context too. Yeah. I would almost prefer to talk to, because of my nerdy nature, Yeah, I almost prefer to talk to them individually Yeah, where I could talk about their individual contributions. Yep. So let's try and come up with one question for each member of the band. 
Oh, okay. Is that too much? Is One that question? too much? Well, let's, yeah, like you, you pick a member and ask a question. I'll pick a member, ask a question. Okay, so. Okay, I'm going to start. I'm okay. gonna, I want to ask Martin, what is the riff that he is most proud of coming up with, with creating? Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's kind of, kind of a, a kind of a tame-ish question, but maybe it's something to break the ice with. Uh, yeah, and I I would ask Martin just what what riff is the most fun to play, yeah. or what what when a certain song is coming up and you get to play that part. Yeah, what is that? That that's what I would ask him. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. So for for Bones, this you know how I keep going on about my theory. Yeah. About recording process and sure, so on. Sure. Yeah, I would ask Bones if he felt very constrained during the recording of Blue Sky Mining, mm-hmm. and then during Earth and Sun and Moon, was he able to just like cut loose because of the nature, the difference in recording, the way it was recorded, the, right. the studio, the open room that Nick had versus the small room. Uh, oh, and, and Nick let us know that when... Warren Livesey was recording them. One of the factors was that it was a very small studio. Mm-hmm. So they might not even, even be able to physically yeah. set up with drums and bass and so on all live yeah. at once. Even though Nick wasn't able to speak to how Warren would prefer to record, it may just not have been an option at yes. that point. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, this isn't even about like blame or anything right, like that, right. but just, yeah. So it's funny. I was just reminded of this, that Giffo, because like, you know, Giffo's part of the band. Mm-hmm. So if I got to talk to Giffo. Yeah. But we did get those interview questions. And do you remember the funny one about how, you know, so what, what oils album do you think is the best? And Giffo's approach to life is all about the success, you know, like he was like, well, diesel and dust. That one sold the best, you know, like like that that was, and so it wasn't so much about, you know, oh, what one had the coolest bass bits or whatever. There is an objective answer to this question. Yeah. It's like. is diesel and dust. Yeah. Diesel and dust, like whatever. Sure. You know, if we got into the details of, you know, why does his bass playing seem like more tame on most of diesel, blah, 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 blah. You know, Giffo wouldn't have any of that, I think, from what I can tell. (laughs) Can I interest you in a string bikini? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and uh, I'd be like, I don't think you want to see me in that. <laughs> uh, and then Bear, I guess I'd ask Bear about when they're building a song, mm-hmm. would he bring his riff to it? You know, him and Rob, mm-hmm. would they start the riff and then the band would build on top of that? Or would Jim and Martin already have riffs and then Bear would figure out how to put his in or, yeah. or what? Because Bear really did play a more kind of a riff-based kind of bass playing. Okay, you, you should ask Rob a question. Yeah. Um, and you know what? I, I find it hard to to think up the questions with a lack of context. You're right, yeah. If we were talking about a particular album or something, it, it might be easier, but um, because we're not, like, how do you yeah. ask one question that encompasses all the stuff that you would like to know about, about Rob or about drumming with the oils or creating songs with them or stuff like that? So instead of asking that kind of question, what I want to ask Rob is if the oils were to cover a who song. <laughs> yeah. 
what song would you like to cover? Like what Keith Moon drum part do you want to do and record with the oils? Yeah, that'd be a really good one. And we got to ask Jim and Pete question. I want to ask Pete. No, maybe I don't want to ask him this. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) No, it's not a funny question or a weird question. It's like, you know how we at some points in the podcast we were talking about, is there another secret Christian in the band? Hey, Pete. Oh, yeah. Do you want to out the other secret Christian in the band? <laughs> <laughs> you know, because like when you're, when you're thinking about lyrics, whatever the lyrics are like, and the, and especially like with, I was going to say like earth and sun and moon onward, but even going backwards, you, you get these spiritual type things from time to time. And yeah, it's, it'd be interesting to know what's going on or to know where certain band members are coming from when you're trying to, to take in a song and, and kind of go deep with it. So, you know, it, it'd be nice to know a little bit more about backgrounds as far as beliefs in, in the big things and, or the supernatural or the spiritual, or, you know, what do you think about God or afterlife? Those kind of questions and yeah. find out to know where people are at. Yeah, didn't didn't we find out that it was Rob was the? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Did doubts. we did we find have... that out for sure? I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember. Maybe. <laughs> you know, we understand that this is people's own yep. business, and obviously the oils have been private about many things in their life. But it is interesting when it has influenced the lyrics so much. Sometimes mm-hmm. where these different references come from yeah yeah we didn't ask jim yeah jim oh boy will you be my best friend yeah (laughs) jim can i can i move into your house and hang out with you and do music all the time oh that's that's probably not the type of question that terry had in mind yeah jim can you help me record my album (laughs) do you want to play in my band yeah can you be Uh, yeah, I guess that's not the kind of question. Should I bring my trombone to the next concert? <laughs> <laughs> no? Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Can I, can I play with you guys next? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'd like to go on tour with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know the only thing I'm kind of good at is bass, and you already have a bassist, but maybe you need a second one. Why am I asking Jim if he... Hey. Did you know that Nick Launay uh, mixed Church of the Open Sky? Did he? Yeah. Well, I like it. It's just too bad it doesn't have any vocals. <laughs> okay, Bones. <laughs> me and Bones are together on that. For me, there's so many things I would ask Jim. I would just love to just sit and talk with Jim. Yeah. About lots of things. Did you know that uh, Nick mixed 10 guitars off of Space Farm? <laughs> Did he? Yep. I miss Nick. I miss our yeah. weekly chats. <laughs> yeah, we were having like just weekly hangouts. It was great. We were going to make him a co-host. You know, we could have made him a co-host today even probably. He would have, he I think would have we shown are up. going to make him a co-host again, though. We're going to, we compile the questions from yeah, the uh, questions for podcast Nick. listeners for Nick. Don't forget to send in your podcast questions for Nick. I think we've yep. got one more question, Robin. Okay. Saskia, do you think you say it Saskia or Saskia? Saskia Kellenbach. <laughs> Asks... How do you feel about the side projects? Do you like them or not? And which ones and why? Well, we mostly answered that already. I think so. 
But in general, I, I love that the people in the oils do these other projects. And, I am also in favor of side projects. Yeah, like it shows that they just love music mm -hmm. because, you know, none of those other side projects make them much money or any money, probably, I assume, except, you know, Rob probably does okay with some of his gigs. Yeah. With the band, the other bands, like Backsliders and so on. It also keeps them on their toes so that when the oils get back together again, they are not rusty. Yes. And you know the theory that you have to write like a uh, hundred bad songs before you write a good song? Yeah. And maybe get some of the bad songs out on your side projects. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so yeah, and, and actually asking why do, why do we like the side projects? I like all of them at least a little. Yeah. But some are certainly a bit boring or not. Some of them you listen to once or twice and others you say, yeah, this, this is going to sit in the glove box for a few years and get thrown in the, the CD player every once in a while. So the ones I don't like, there's just too much kind of sameness to them or something. Mm -hmm. There isn't, there isn't that variety that I'm looking for. Rob's done a couple albums that have had some, just some good dirty guitars yep. and drums and just kind of fun and that's the kind of stuff i like yes sometimes a side project asks more of the listener than a regular band album does yeah yeah as much as i want to hear all of your stuff sometimes some albums are work to listen to and yeah with uh yeah it just doesn't get the time that is required to really get into the ears and the head and, and become a, a favorite whatever reasons, whether it doesn't have the ups and downs, it doesn't have the hooks, it doesn't have the things that we're used to. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that yeah, I guess it, that's kind of part of the answer to why don't I like some of them? Yeah. Sometimes it just doesn't have, what it is that we love about the oils isn't really present in yeah. those. That can be okay, but then what does it have? Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily work for everybody. Yeah. 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 Also... Is it spring yet in Thunder Bay? Not anymore. Now we're finally here. Officially in summer, as of yesterday. That's a GIFO answer for you. It is a GIFO answer. And I just learned that Australians count the seasons differently than us. Not just six months off. Like not, not just upside down? Not just upside down, but they actually start like spring, like on the first of the month. They don't do all this weird 21st stuff. They they don't like, it's not solar spring. It's just no. calendar spring for them. Yeah. Neat. And I saw a good defense from a university, like an Australian university professor. Yeah. Of why they do it their way. Yeah. And how it's actually better than our supposed scientific way. Yeah. Uh, and I found myself agreeing with him a bit. Yes. We've been having some nice weather. Actually, we had a, a relatively mild winter. And we had some, almost like an early spring. Thanks for asking, Saskia. We'd like to talk about the weather. I do anyway. We had a, we had a pretty warm start to spring early in the year. We had a couple cool weeks there where it really kind of got cold and windy for a bit. But for the most part, the weather's been really nice in Thunder Bay this year. Um, yeah. Fortunately, where we are in Canada, lockdown isn't like it is in some places in the world where you stay inside your house and you can go out once a day for an hour for exercise or something like that. 
Yeah. It's, you know, stay safe, stay home, be responsible, but yeah, go for a walk and give people a wide berth on the sidewalks or whatever. And yeah, so it's been, it's been good weather to be in lockdown or whatever yep. you call it. Yeah. It's been a nice spring. Looking forward to a good summer. One thing that I wanted to kind of talk about before we wrap things up was this um, newspaper clipping that you sent me a couple weeks ago from Thunder Bay's own Chronicle Journal. Yeah. From 1993. What a show. A crowd of 5,500 local rock fans were treated to sunshine, great music, and a serving of politics at Big Thunder. It wasn't tragic and it wasn't especially hip but it was probably the best rock concert Thunder Bay has ever seen. Probably. It may still be. It, it still was. So, yeah, Robin dug up this um, article from Thunder Bay's own Chronicle Journal about the, another roadside attraction where the hip and the oils and Daniel Lanois and everybody who somehow is connected with the oils, including Daniel Lanois' sister who was in Crash Vegas. But why am I thinking there's a Martha and the Muffins connection with Daniel Lanois? It's, it's going to come up in the next podcast that we release. Darren and I have talked about this before, but this is when Midnight Oil came to Thunder Bay here mm -hmm. in 1993, and we did that 25th anniversary. Uh, we stood at the mountain. Yes. Uh, we have a special outdoor episode. And importantly, I made the claim that the pursuit of happiness yeah. was there, and Darren said, no. no. But at least the article says... Pursuit of Happiness was there. The Pursuit of Happiness, a late entry to the multi-band roadshow, took the stage at about 4 p.m. right after local band Fat Like Dad. Yes, <laughs> Fat Like Dad got to open for the oils. The Pursuit made the best of the sound problems and the often long pauses between songs. They caught the attention of the crowd near the end of their set with a medley of cover tunes, including songs by the Bare Naked Ladies and Crash Test Dummies, interestingly placed in the middle of a rendition of their first hit single, I'm an Adult Now. <laughs> I regret, well, regret's a strong word. It's too bad that I don't remember this. I think I yeah. would have really enjoyed that. We saw Fat Like Dad. You know what I do remember? I remember, um, I think it was Zuropa playing on the PA system before it was released. But I think I've said that once or twice before. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. There's a picture of Daniel Lanois standing out in the crowd with us. Not with us, you and me. Oh, no. No, just with the crowd. With the crowd, which included us. Now, okay, here's something that the article mentions that seems to contradict our experience of Daniel Lanois. The crowd seemed entranced by some of his, Daniel Lanois, softer numbers, and there wasn't much talking going on during Lanois' performance despite the outdoor atmosphere. Really? <laughs> were we entranced by Daniel Lanois? Or were we just wondering what was going on up there? Yeah, I think we were kind of stunned <laughs> and maybe a bit bored. Maybe. And what's neat about Daniel Lanois, of course, now we feel like we know him. Yeah. We're only, we're only one person removed, Darren, Shh. from from Daniel Lanois. You're giving too much away. No, I'm not. Okay. Did you know you actually mentioned Malcolm Byrne already in this thing when you're talking about the emailing? People want to know about Midnight Oil. Midnight Oil was definitely the most raucous performer. The music seemed to increase in decibel level, and a direct hit was aimed at Macmillan Bodell for its position in the logging dispute. Macmillan Bodell um, owned 
one of the pulp and paper mills in Thunder Bay at the time. The crowd responded, and frontman Garrett made good on his threat to have an overzealous fan ejected for being <laughs> too rough. Yeah, well, we talked about that during the episode too. That we was did. A, a big moment. And there's a big picture of Midnight Oil's Peter Garrett singing and with big mouth and this crazy flowery kind of shirt that he was wearing perhaps for the tour. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. Apparently, uh, Pete referred to spruce leaves as opposed to spruce needles at some point, And it led some to question how much he really knows about the trees he's talking about protecting from clear cutters. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Pete. Yep. But anyway, great show and a fun little article you found, or a big article actually that you found. Yeah, pretty Good big, stuff. pretty yeah. big article, yeah. Yep. That's probably more than enough for anybody Whoa. to want to listen to. Yeah, what is that, like two hours? Uh, getting close. So thank you for sending in those questions. Uh, they were fun. A lot of them were, were really fun. But yeah, that was great. And keep in mind that um, Nick Launay wants to come back on the show, and we want to have him back on the podcast too. So if you have questions for Nick that we didn't ask him, send them to us. Um, send us uh, any sort of questions, comment, hate mail, uh, just want to be mentioned on the podcast. You know our new podcast email address, oilscouch at gmail.com. Visit darrenfolds.com slash podcasts for any show notes that we might have. And tweet us on the Twitter at darrenfolds or at 8 Show and tell to talk to Robin. Yeah. <laughs> so for Robin Harbin, I'm Darren Folds. Stay safe. Good night. Good night. Oh crap! Um, I just can't keep. <laughs> I can't read this. Okay, if I push. Oh yeah. All that down. Sorry, everybody. Oh, what? Why? Did I? Is this my fault? Did I do this? This is. I think he did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, computers.